1: Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. In the programme this week, the New Zealand footballers head for the United States this weekend for the first of two friendlies. We'll hear from the man who's likely the stand-in for the regular skipper, Ryan Nelson. And in Nelson's hometown, we'll talk to the director of the Christchurch Marathon, which looked as if it would have to be cancelled after the earthquake on the 22nd of February. The earthquake wrecked the Riverside course first used for the 1974 Commonwealth Games. But the race is going ahead on Queen's birthday weekend on a new course at Lincoln, south of the city. Another top All Black has re-signed with the New Zealand Rugby Union. The head coach, Graham Henry, gives his views on what Richie McCaw's decision means, while the captain explains why he's staying when others are going. We'll also hear from one of the standout players in the Highlanders team, which continues to mock pre-season predictions that the Southerners would finish the season supping with the wooden spoon yet again. Football first, and the All-Whites play Mexico in Denver, Colorado on the 2nd of June, then Australia in Adelaide just three days later. They're without four first-choice players, skipper Ryan Nelson, Leo Bertos, Rory Fallon and Jeremy Christie. Tim Brown told Richard Wayne that although having to play Australia three days after leaving the United States is a bit extreme, the All-Whites are well used to limited time to prepare and to lots
2: of travel. Well, there's a couple of things. I think one, that probably all the A-League guys are out of season and that's just not ideal. And there's not too much we can do about that. With all the best will in the world, we're just underdone with matches button you can't change it and I think if nothing else we're fresh and looking forward to it all had a bit of a break and it has been a long couple of years without one so to have a kind of a good month off has been really nice so I think you know there's some positives there and then it's certainly like the the game against Mexico is a massive challenge and to have to play at altitude is not easy and then to play Australia so quickly afterwards having just traveled all the way around the world I think we get in the day before uh, don't even have time to train and then play Australia but they're great opportunities and I think you could sit there and complain about it or get on with it and we face bigger challenges and these sort of things are funny you know I mean they stand you in good stead for, for stuff down the road you know so I think even you know, looking back over the, the Bahrain and the, the World Cup qualification you know, there was a whole lot of stuff really really hard stuff that we did in the years before that in the long run paid off and I think this is one of those things that's a, it's a massive challenge. Is Ricky Herbert likely to give some of the younger players who haven't had much
3: experience at this level some game time in these fixtures? Do you think, because of these uh, issues with travel, etc.?
2: Oh, I could imagine that you know that everyone's going to get a run at some and no, I mean, there's some talented guys. I mean. Costa Barbarouss and Marco Rojas, spring to mind, are coming off fantastic A-League seasons where they've really, really created a bit of a buzz, so it would be great to see them play. But I, I, I mean, I think with the, the nature of these two games and the fact they are so close together, I think the entire squad's going to be pretty much on notice for, to play at different times, so um, I think that's why we've got 23 in the squad. You've been in the
3: White's for a while now. Have you seen the talent coming through and and progressing through, like you say, Rojas, Barbarusas, these young guys, when they get their chance, like they did in China, and I thought they should have been given longer, I suppose it's a tricky thing to manage them up to that next level?
2: It all depends on the player. What is good, and it's probably quite different from when I first started, is that there's continuity, a real consistency to what we're doing in the squad. And I'm not talking so much about playing, although that's important in terms of formation and structure, I'm talking more about culture there's been a, a, you know the same guys the same faces around the squad for a number of years now and I think that's a really good thing and young guys will come in and they have to earn their way earn their spots and they have to kind of not understand you know only the footballing side of things but what, it, what the shirt sort of means to everyone and, and not to get too sort of cheesy about it but I think this is a great time and I think you know Marco and Costa have had a little taste and they'll get bigger bigger ones on this tour and and there's no doubt in my mind going to have great careers, and I think you know, Ricky will make the decisions about when that happens, but I think you just look at it now and you just think it 's in great shape you know? I mean even as, as things to start to transition now like there 's so many young guys even you 've got the Chris Woods and the Winston Reeds and the Tommy Smiths, Marco Costa I mean those are all young guys that'll be around for another ten years you know? and then you 've also got that experience of people that have been around and you 've got this, this transition happening and, and I think it 's a real good thing for the game it 's exciting.
3: Is there a lot of sort of systems that have been put in place? So, like, like you say, a culture, but also behind the scenes a structure, a game plan, I don't know what you'd call it, but Ricky's been there for a while and, and does he have a plan, I suppose? Um, it's a, a tricky thing to manage a team when you don't have a lot of time with them a lot of the time, you know, as well.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think when I talk about the word culture, I mean, I think that comes a lot, of, a, a lot from the individual guys that are here. And you know? I mean, you look at Ryan Nelson and, and the impact he had at the World Cup and just what he instills just because of what he's done as a player as a a leader you know so all that sort of stuff just rubs off and trickles down and as you say the timing's so tight we don't sit down and look at powerpoint presentations or spend too much time in front of film even when we play Mexico with the entire squad I think we might have one training session maybe two but there's something larger at play and that's just that you know there's this culture of of desire and success that's come about over the last few years which has, has been hard fought and hard won and there's a lot of pride in what we do now, and I don't think anyone wants to let those standards drop. You know, but again, a lot of the times they're not talked about. They're just there. You know, uh, they're just there with the with the performances and the expectations. And I, like I said, I think it's you know we worked very hard to get to this point, and I think the challenge now is to sort of not only keep it keep it where it's at, but to improve it.
3: We're, we're talking before the um, skipper is announced, but you, captain, last night, and Ricky hinted that you'd probably be the skipper on the on the tour. Do you do a lot of talking on the field? How do how do you captain?
2: Oh, I, I there's times when you need to talk, and there's times when you need to shut up and and just lead by example. And I, I think there's no one set rule, but I equally know that I do it, it kind of my way, and not try and copy anyone else. You know, I think everyone's different in that situation, and if I do get asked to do that job, it's one a huge honour and one, I think it puts more pressure on, on the fact that you need to do well yourself and perform well yourself, and that's usually the best thing you can do. You make sure you play well, and then everything else will kind of fall into place after that. I think sometimes you can get caught in the trap of sort of talking a good game and, and kind of lose sight of the fact that you need to perform yourself.
3: And how's your um, personal game coming? You've obviously had some injuries, and you're coming back from that. Are you 100% now? How are you feeling? Yeah, good. I...
2: Pretty much touch wood since the, uh, the little shoulder debacle at the World Cup. I've been in great shape and I'm right through the Phoenix season with no problems. And I had a little surgery at the end of the, the end of the year just to get the screws out, which was a little bit trickier than I thought and kind of involved me missing that one China game. But apart from that, I'm in great shape and really uh, refreshed after a bit of a break, a bit of a holiday, and uh, rearing to go. And I think I'll need to be because these couple of games are going to be, I think, right up there with some of the, the bigger challenges in, in in my career, really. Well, of course, so you guys have played both these
3: teams in the last, what, two or three years. Mexico are a rather different pro- proposition to Australia. I imagine they'll try and play a more of a possession, keep the ball off you sort of game. I, I always think of Barcelona when I, when I think of that sort of pattern. But, you know, watching them, they're very impressive on the ball. Versus Australia, who perhaps play a little more um, along the lines of New Zealand. So
2: interesting challenge over the short period to adjust to the two different styles? Oh, massive, yeah. I mean, Mexico will be technical and, and move the ball around and shift the ball around and very difficult to play and, and, and I think traditionally we probably haven't matched up quite as well against those sort of teams and, you know, it doesn't help that there'll be 75-odd thousand people cheering for them, going absolutely crazy. You know, last time we played them at the Rose Bowl, I think it was just shy of 100,000 people there, mate, just going absolutely bonkers, you know, so it's you add those sort of factors into it and it's, it's tough and but these are challenges of what we're after, and they stand you know, in good stead if you can get through these sort of environments and these sort of games. And then, Australia, I think, is always Australia. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It's, I mean, I can't help but think that when, you know, it's in the back of my mind, certainly, even playing Mexico, that you've got this game against Australia coming up. And we haven't played them a lot, I only played them maybe twice in my career, but they stand out highlights, and that'll be a, just a big challenge for us, I think, with the travel. We leave the day after Mexico, and we get into Adelaide on the Saturday after three or four flights and, and then play on the Sunday so it's, it's a big ask but I think it's going to be a special game.
3: And for you to face Australia again, you knew this question was coming didn't you, uh, to face Australia again after what happened in the pre World Cup, you know the injury, the shoulder injury which ultimately meant you didn't get any game time in South Africa, how are you approached this?
2: Well it's just the, the whole silly thing about that is that I've probably fallen worse on my shoulder a hundred times since then and and it's been fine and I'll probably go on to fall many more times again and not hurt myself. That was just a freak thing and just one of those things, but, yeah. I'm trying to forget about that actually, to be honest yeah.
3: Well they, they were very physical though and in fact to be honest to a very biased fan or two sitting at home watching that game we thought they're just trying to kick us out of the World Cup. Leo Birdos almost copped a serious injury too. Are you expecting a physical approach from them and is there any
2: back of the mind like to get them back for some of that stuff? Oh I mean I think whenever you play Australia it's going to be a physical thing but the irony of that whole game is I remember the big fuss in the media beforehand about Australia being so concerned that we were going to go after them and hurt them and Jeopardise their World Cup and be all sorts of physical and then one week kind of probably outfootballed them on that day and really I thought played really well and, and they were just kicking lumps out of us so worked that one out but it'll be fantastic, I'm looking forward to it.
1: That's Tim Brown talking to Richard Wayne and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. To athletics and with the Christchurch Marathon's traditional course unusable after the earthquake it looked as if the 31st race would have to be cancelled. Severe damage to the roads alongside the Avon River and to QE2 Park in North New Brighton and lack of access to the Town Hall has meant a move to Lincoln south of the city. Last year a record 5,823 people entered either the marathon or half marathon or the 10k run and walk and shorter events for children. But despite the loss of accommodation in the city more than 3,000 people have entered so far including about 100 from Australia and around 3,500 are expected. Some of New Zealand's best runners are back for the event which benefits the USAR search and rescue dog program that was so vital after the earthquake. The race will also be a salute to local runners lost in the quake, among them a former race director Brian Taylor. Chris Cox has been race director for 16 years so it's been a big part of his life and he says he's been astounded by just how much it means to other people and he's thrilled by their response.
4: We budgeted for 3,000 competitors. We're running at just over 3,000 at the moment. Uh, Entries closed on the 16th of May. But like all events, we take late entries with an extra entry fee. And they're just ticking along. You know, We're getting probably 20 or 30 a day at the moment. And we know we'll get a lot of late entries on race pack pickup day as well. So we're very, very encouraged by that. We're probably taking the biggest hit from out-of-towners because there's really nowhere to stay in Christchurch at the moment. And also the marathon, I think, is probably the one that will probably dip the most. We're probably only getting about half of what we got in last year's field, which was a record of 700, and we're running at around 400 in the marathon.
1: Who are the um, big-name runners?
4: We've got a pretty impressive list, actually. I mean, I'm highlighting the likes of Erwin McRae from Canberra. He won the half-marathon last year. He's coming back to defend his title. Locally, Phil Costley. Most people in Canterbury and the South Island know Phil. Previous winner. Uh, He's now a veteran. Blair McWhirter from Queenstown. Michael McIntyre and Gavin Stevens. uh, People in Auckland will know Gavin. This guy goes on and on, that guy, isn't he? 50 years old. (laughs) And he's running world records in his age group for the marathon. Uh, Katie Theobold, she's coming back to defend her title from three years ago. And Sarah Bliss from Rotorua. Um, Now they're just a few of a list of about 20 that I have here. We're thrilled with the support we're getting from the elite runners, both in New Zealand and Australia. And they're coming to support us. They want to see us get back on our feet.
1: So a, a fairly flat sort of a course and should be a good time on it?
4: Yeah, a, a very flat course. It'll be a good time if the weather conditions are good. It's a bit exposed, so if we get bad weather, it will slow things down. But no, it's a flat course, long straights. But I don't think that'll be an issue with over 3,000 runners. It's still going to be a great event with a good feel.
1: And you've got some of the urban search and rescue guys with their dogs taking part as well.
4: Yes, well, in conjunction with SBS, we were looking at another charity, which was appropriate for the city. And yes, these guys came forward. Rather than all the usual charities, Red Cross, that sort of thing, urban search and rescue dogs, they'll be taking part in the event with their handlers. Some of them, I think, are even running in the kids' race. So it'll be a real nice touch to the event.
1: And there's also that it's a a kind of a memorial race too for for Brian Taylor. Tell us about him.
4: Oh, yes, definitely Brian Taylor. Very, very sad. Brian Taylor was one of the founding fathers of the event. Him and a few others, like Rod Rutherford, 30-odd years ago, they got this event going. And Brian is a well-known coach and athlete in Canterbury, has been for years. He was managing director of King's Education, which had their offices in the CTV building he just got back to the building, uh, having been to a meeting in the city, when the earthquake hit, and he was tragically killed. Brian's been my mentor over the years. I've been organising the event for 16 years. Brian's wife, Prue, who is the principal of Christchurch Girls High, she's a previous winner of the marathon, and Brian coached her to that level. So, you know, you can imagine the effect that his death has had on the running community. I, I went to, and the community at large, both education and just Everyone in the community. I went to his funeral. Obviously, twelve hundred at the funeral it was amazing. There are athletes came from around the world to pay their respects to Brian, and it was a very, very moving time. It was very sad. Um, we were just totally shocked. Brian was chair of the trust board that governs the event, and we had just reformed the trust board, re, uh, restructured it, and he was the driving force behind that. So he's left a big gap with us and. We're doing this for Brian as well. It's had a huge effect. I mean, just the number of young girls that he's coached over the years, you know, he's going to be sadly
1: missed. That's the Christchurch Marathon Director, Chris Cox, and I'm Murray Williams, and this is Extra Time. Rugby now, and with the number of All Blacks and players on the fringe of selection heading for Europe and Japan continuing to grow, the NZAUs added Richie McCaw to its list of contracted players. The skipper's decision to stay was less of a surprise than teammate Dan Carter's, and he'd already indicated that the All Black jersey was the only one he wanted to wear when playing overseas. But although a four-year contract may have surprised some observers, the All Black head coach, Graham Henry, told Marcus Irvine why McCaw's worth it. He
0: wants to be here, which I think is great. So he's inspired by continuing the All Black jersey. It means a huge amount to him. He wants to keep on adding to that history of the All Blacks and that legacy that's created. And I think him wanting to do that after ninety four tests is astronomical. Wonderful. And Daniel's done the same and Kevy and a whole host of others. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction that they want to continue playing for this team and playing for their country. Instead of going off and playing for Toulon or whoever, and that doesn't inspire them. Might help their bank account, but doesn't inspire them to play outstanding rugby and these guys want to continue to play outstanding rugby and I think that's great. do you think that is a reflection of, of how, how good players are being able to be inspired and, and choosing that all black jersey over the, over the money overseas do you think that reflects on on the players themselves I think it reflects on what they on what they feel about this country and about playing for this country in the all black jersey that's very important to them it's the most important thing to them in their sport I was going to call it the job and I think it's more than that like this is what has inspired them for the last 20 years since they've been 10 or 5 or I don't know when did they start doing that so it's very inspirational for them and they don't want to lose that motivation they don't want to lose that edge they might go on off and get a fat bank account but they play shit rugby excuse me I shouldn't have said that so they want to play at, at the, the best of their ability and this situation by playing for their country and playing in that black jersey with the silver fern inspires them. And how important is Richie to the All Black team? Oh he's one of the great captains isn't he? Like you can go back over history and I'll miss out a few so I won't do that. But he's one of the great All Black captains and he's the most capped All Black and the most with Mills Millie Aina and he's the most capped All Black captain and he's becoming one of our great captains. I just hope he wins that Rugby World Cup this year, so just put the icing on it.
1: Four years is obviously a long time. Why four years, do you think?
0: Well, it sounds like a good figure, doesn't it? Next World Cup's two fifteen. and we seem to live in Rugby World Cup cycles. So that's how I see it. Uh, Richie will be 33 34 Yeah, well, that's not equivalent about a year. Then he thinks he can still do the business. So he's the best number seven in the world, has been for some time, but the big thing about Richie is that he's never satisfied with his game. So he's always trying to get better. You know, although a lot of people judge him as being in the top echelon of number sevens and they're probably the best in the world right now. Not probably, is the best in the world right now. He wants to be better than he is right now. So that's hugely significant, I think.
1: About that number seven position, do you think he'll he'll stay there or do you think he might have a position
0: change? Who cares? Do so you ever been thinking about that? No, but, you know, Michael Jones, who was a great player, um, he changed from seven to six, but he had a horrendous knee injury, which slowed him down a wee bit, probably. Sorry about that, Michael. Did it slow you down or not? So he changed his position to suit that situation. Now Richie might change his position, but as long as he's in the team, you know, if he's not and he's good enough and he will be, I don't think that's that's significant really.
1: He mentioned that one of the flow-on effects from his signing could be to keep younger players in the country and inspire them to stay in the country. Is he quite an inspiration?
0: I think it it makes it. a solid situation you know it makes it a settled situation and people are people they're human and they like that solid situation that consistent situation and guys like Kevin Mialamu and Daniel Carter and Richie McCaw and Conrad Smith and so on staying in this country makes it a very settled all-black team and, and people like that situation I'm very comfortable with it myself that gives people confidence Gives them a feel of a solid future, and I think that's important.
1: Um, one last thing for me, anyway. Um, looking forward to see the next World Cup. Potentially, he might be around to defend that.
5: I mean, is, is, that's quite exciting in itself.
0: It? Yeah, let's look after this one, eh? Let's, let's try and win this one. I think that's pretty important, and then hopefully we're defending it.
1: That's Graham Henry talking to Marcus Irvine, and this is extra time. Meanwhile, although Richie McCaw's decision wasn't unexpected, he took his time about making it public.
6: The reasons it's taken a while was I wanted to make sure that it was the right thing to do. You know, the first part of this year is make sure it's yeah that it is the right thing to do for myself and also New Zealand rugby. You know, I don't want to be uh, playing or. Hanging around if it's not the right thing, but I feel like I can uh, still contribute, play for the All Blacks, still contribute and be a better rugby player. That's and get enjoyment out of it, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm keen to carry on playing. Um, I love love playing rugby in this country, both for the Crusaders and New Zealand, and you know want to do it for a bit longer yet. So uh, it's great to be able to have that opportunity to uh, be around for a bit longer. I guess the big thing is there's no guarantees, and it's what we do that uh, you're going to be an All Black or even a Crusader, but uh, you've got to back yourself to, to obviously um, keep wanting to play well and, and earn that spot, and that's, that's what I'm pretty keen to do. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I guess, release well, not the right word, but it's nice to actually know what the future is going to be for the next few years anyway, and um, hopefully we can uh, get on and enjoy the rest of this year and, uh, yeah, well, it's going to be pretty exciting.
1: And Richie McCall says he wasn't using the time to angle for offers from Europe that he could use for bargaining leverage with the NZRU.
6: I didn't want to play that game, and I, you know, sort of someone that's you know, pretty honest. I don't want to be telling uh, crap, really. But what I, I have enjoyed is the fact that the New Zealand Rugby Union have been pretty fair. I've always said that when it comes to negotiating contracts, as long as you feel like you're treated fair, it doesn't matter what anyone else is, you know, uh, what's happening with them. And you know, that's where we've got to something that I think is pretty fair and uh, very happy with. So that's the way I, I look at it. And you know, I wasn't really interested in. It. Playing one off against the other, that's not the way I want to do
1: it. That's Richie McCaw, and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport, and I'm Murray Williams. Still with rugby, and contrary to many pre-season predictions, the Highlanders remain a chance of making the playoffs, although their squad's not exactly bristling with All Blacks. Ben Smith's one of them. He made the 2009 end-of-year tour but missed out last year. However, the versatile back's been making a strong push for a recall as a key member of coach Jamie Joseph's squad. Smith's played wing and at fullback and second five, and his versatility should boost his reselection chances, with injuries in the Hurricanes' poor form not doing much for Corey Janes, and with injuries ending the super Rugby season for Isaiah Toyava and Israel Dag, after hearing a Wellington rugby writer saying the Highlanders' bubble had burst earlier in the season, I asked Smith what's made that bubble so resilient and the predictions so wrong.:
5: We've got a good team culture and we've you know everyone's bought into what we're doing so. We don't really take much on board of what everyone else is saying because if we did that right from the get go, we'd be behind the eight ball. So, because right from the start of the season, people were saying it would go no good. So, if you're listening to them um, all the way through the season, then you know we wouldn't be going too well. So, we believe in each other and what we can do, and that's probably the main thing.
1: Versatility has been put to the test again this season. I'm just trying to remember you've played fullback wing, I think second five. How big a plus is that for you in the current situation, given that uh, Isai Toiaba is out for the foreseeable future with that hip injury, Israel Dags another casualty, and the Hurricanes haven't really been doing uh, Corey Jane's chances much good, so h- how do you see it?
5: I'm just concentrating on playing as well as I can for the Highlanders, but I think it's probably a bonus playing a few positions because when it comes to uh, you know, even the makeup of the Highlander side, it's good to be able to play out other positions and. It gives you a different perspective as well, so I think it's a good thing being able to play, you know, fullback and second five and stuff like that.
1: Now you've you've shown some great counter-attacking ability, but where do you think's the best position to make the most of them? Fullback.
5: Yeah, I think fullback is the, you know, is the easiest place to to get involved in the game from fullback from counter-attack. But yeah, you do you all have to work together. So um, you know, your wingers have to work with your fullback and. Fullback has to work in with them. So it's sort of, you've all got to be on the same page and make sure you're seeing the same things.
1: Now, I was reading somewhere earlier on in the year that there's a description of you as undersized, which sort of caught my eye, because you look like you're about six foot something, and around uh, 85 kilos or so, 13, 13 stone in the old uh, in the old money. And you did a pretty yeah. good job of looking after Martin Nono and Invercargill. So what do you say to people who think that there's too much emphasis on size as opposed to sort of speed and vision?
5: I'm not. Even- Three kilo, so I'm to what you think. I think that sometimes you can make up a it with technique, I suppose. So um, size isn't everything. As long as you can go in there with a good good technique, you can, you know, you can chop chop guys down, I suppose.
1: You say you're ninety three kilos.
5: Yeah, ninety three. Yeah.
1: And not long ago, that would have made you a pretty uh, good sized all black flanker.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, the game's definitely changing with the amount of weights people are getting into, and I suppose it's pretty scorny compared to the most. So. But yeah, I just try and concentrate on making sure I've got a good technique, and
1: it's a must I think, right the whole way to. Jamie Joseph seems to be pushing all the right buttons with you guys most of the time. But your forward depth has been, I guess, put to the test a bit with Adam Thompson and being out injured in particular. Before you resigned, were you ever tempted to see what it would be like to sort of put your skills to to test behind a, a I guess, a, a a better endowed forward pack? So you got more better go forward ball.
5: I think our forwards are doing a fantastic job. I think they're going real good. So, you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So when I signed, I I was pretty keen. You know, even like before I signed, I was keen to stick around. And, you know, what um, Jamie and um, Kieran Kane and Nibs are doing, they're putting the right structures in place. And it's really exciting to play rugby down here. So I didn't look to go anywhere else really.
1: That's Ben Smith, and that's the show for this week. Feedback's welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz, and you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. While we'll be back with the next web only extra time show next week. I'm Murray Williams. Bye for now.
4: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.